The thing about comparing rates at Progressive.com is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about comparing rates at Progressive.com. We probably don't even need the words comparing rates anymore to remind you that seasoning steaks at Progressive.com is an easy way to save on car insurance. Or that swimming in trousers helps you find the lowest rate. And that's the thing about foraging for truffles. You've heard a lot of ads about standing tiptoe on a cinder block. Compare rates and <clears throat> sing softly to a wounded field mouse and save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. This is part two of my conversation with Sunita Dvivedi, who traveled through Pakistan and Afghanistan to visit the many wonderful Buddhist sites in the region, a journey that she's written about extensively in her book, Buddha in Gandhara. What was the most difficult thing for you during your travels to do this this particular book? Uh, actually, uh, this area was a very different area hmm. from what I had earlier visited. Okay. Uh, in the Central Asia, uh, it, uh, the atmosphere was very free. I could travel anywhere, in any village, hmm. with my camera and notebook. Hmm. And in China, of course, in Xinjiang, the atmosphere was very free and travel uh, i could travel anywhere but in afghanistan especially hmm. as as soon as i reached kabul yeah my uh, i will uh, say my benefactor kunzia uh, bardak hmm. she took me under her wings i stayed with her in a house she gave me room and shelter food everything she provided but okay. she told me one thing that hmm. if you move around Hmm. without a burqa hmm. or uh, without a hijab you will not be able to do your work oh okay you will not be able to do your work there will be so many people following you and uh, they will keep an eye on you from where you come what you do and uh, hmm. you will not be able to work okay, okay. so uh, the choice was between doing my work and wearing a hijab and i was never in favor of women covering themselves wearing the hijab uh, never but hmm. when the choice came that whether i should wear this or do my work i said i will wear it and do my work okay so uh, everywhere that i went whether i went to the national museum whether i went to bage babur whether i went to the pagman darra or zahir shah garden or hmm. uh, in the bazaar i was always wearing the burqa okay. but but i was able to do my work but when i went to bamiyan hmm the name of the hotel was the silk road hotel if i remember properly uh, okay. over there there were many foreigners people okay. from japan from france from spain and actually they were all scientists uh, wow. who were trying to preserve the big buddha to restore wow. the big buddha they wow. were all at the site so at okay. the hotel i did not see anyone wearing the burqa hmm. they were only wearing the head scarf okay So in Bamiyan, I said it, it was more appeared more like a cosmopolitan city with so many okay. foreigners around, hundreds of them. So uh, over there, I decided to discard the burqa and uh, I wore a headscarf. Okay. And uh, I could do my work over there. So Bamiyan was a little different. Okay. But all other places up to Balk, Mazari Sharif, everywhere I wore the burqa. Okay. And um, here in Bamiyan. I went to the Titanic Bazaar without a burqa, only in a headscarf, 
and I could speak to people, I could speak to shopkeepers. There were many carpet sellers over there who had come to India so many times to sell their carpets and they could speak English and Hindi and uh, they were very happy that a person from India had come. They said that they love Hindustan and uh, yeah and um, but in uh, Mazari Sharif where I had gone to cover the renowned monastery of uh, Nava Sangraham, Nobahar, hmm. Nobahar in bulk. Okay. So I was on the road to bulk. I was wearing the burqa and everything, but suddenly there was a big blast oh. on way to bulk. And uh, okay. we had to uh, run away from there. And then we headed to this uh, place called Aibak. Okay. Aibak near Samangan. Hmm. So over there, this brick stupa um, uh, cut out of rock known as the Tope Rustam in this village of Aibak. So with this burqa, I was uh, yes. circambulating the stupa. And I was chanting. Uh-huh. I was chanting and circambulating okay. and praying. And, uh-huh. and the work went on so well. But another person would have been greatly amused that a Muslim lady is circambulating <laughs> and chanting and doing everything. And the person would have been greatly amused. Yeah, <laughs> but nothing like this in Bamiyan. I'm really telling you, the Bamiyan was so free oh. with all these uh, these foreigners. They were thronging the place, hmm. and maybe they were all scientists because I saw them at the site. Hmm. But the, these scientists must must have been there because of what happened in Bamiyan, right? The blasting of the uh, those huge. Uh, you know, by the Taliban of the huge Buddha statues. Maybe these people came after that happened, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Into uh, I'm speaking of 2014. Oh. Yeah, uh, they had come in connection with that. They had connection. come in connection with that, and uh, they uh, uh, they were wanting to pre- uh, to restore the site, uh, mm. somehow restore get all the pieces that were blasted to. Mm to store all those pieces and uh, to maybe in some way to resurrect the Buddha. Hmm. So which one was the site that really impressed you the most? Though all of them seem fantastic, you know. See, there's a there's a lot to see in Bamiyan, even though the site has been blasted. Hmm. The Buddhas have been uh, blasted and nothing remains in the caves. Only the silhouette of the Buddha is there in some caves. Hmm. But there's yet a lot remains to be seen. Okay. There are so many paintings. Um, of course, the caves are locked because they don't want any further destruction. But hmm. special permission can be taken to see those caves with paintings. And hmm. uh, some stucco images are still there. Hmm. And, um, and there are thousands and thousands of caves. Many new stupas are uh, being discovered. Okay. And one scientist, his name is uh, Professor Zemirlia uh, uh, Tarzi. Okay. Z Tarzi. He is hmm. searching for 1,000 feet long reclining Buddha. That Wayne yeah. Sang mentioned in his book. That Wayne Sang yeah. mentioned in his book of 7th century. That Buddha, hmm. the buzz in the bazaar was that, that Zemir, uh, Dr. Tarzi has already found that Buddha. But he is not disclosing it because uh, someone might um, uh, destroy it. So, yeah, the word is that that Buddha has already been found and it is being kept a secret. 
so a lot so, remains to be seen not only at bamiyan but i also visited the valleys of kakrak and foladi hmm so uh, in foladi valley which is largely unexplored there is a lot to be seen there is so much okay it's largely yeah it's near bamiyan in, in a separate um, hmm. valley um foladi hmm. valley in the uh, in the valley of the foladi river the kakrak valley in the valley of the kakrak river a lot okay. remains to be seen because see they have blasted only the big buddhas and uh, okay. much of the painting and they are, are there in the museum to see uh, but uh, one can hmm. uh, still uh, find a lot of art in there okay. in the caves but one will also find that the villagers have uh, have uh, um, encroached upon the caves there some uh, some uh, villagers are living in those caves really yeah some of them i saw in polari yeah i mentioned it also i mentioned it also that authorities must check that some some villagers have tied their mules donkeys inside the caves they have stored their fodder inside the caves because very few visitors are going to other valleys like foladi and kakrak oh. everyone is going to bamiyan they are not going to foladi but foladi and kakrak are also buddhist caves and very important caves that sort of situation would write itself if tourism started in that place of course you know. of course of course if tourism begins and people start traveling to these areas i think even the governments will take care of this Hmm. and you asked me about the best site which should be visited yes. i will i will recommend the sites in mardan hmm. of uh, the khyber pakhtunwa area of pakistan hmm. and uh, i would name the site as takht bahi okay. takht bahi is a second century ad site and hmm. it is so beautifully preserved so beautifully preserved and they are also guarding it gunmen hmm. are guarding the site no one can destroy it and okay. it has been really preserved well mm-hmm. and it is a huge site mm-hmm. and not only taktbahi but uh, one should visit taksila the jolian mm-hmm. monastery uh, the mora maradu monastery uh, the piplan mm-hmm. site and um, the dharam rajika stupa in taksila and another site mm-hmm. in the khyber pakhtunwa area is the jamalgadi site so the, okay. the, the several sites in pakistan have been really preserved very well hmm. and uh, foreign tourists are visiting pakistan to see those sites yeah but for an indian would it be more difficult to go to pakistan to see these sites i think it will be very difficult <laughs> yeah. in the present situation i don't think we, uh, i have not completed my work in pakistan i i need to go there two three more times but uh, hmm. i am also waiting that let the situation improve maybe maybe i can complete my work over there because i want to take out a second volume of this buddha in gandhara uh, i could not visit mm. the sites in swat uh, a very yes. important site in the uh, khyber pass mm. and uh, and other areas but yes mm. there, there are sites also in pakistan uh, which mm. have totally totally melted uh, okay. totally dissolved into the soil Mm-hmm. and uh, one of these sites was the village in in the village of sikri a okay. remote village of sikri in khabar pakhtunwa hello across the, uh, across the jindi river and uh, okay. when i reached this site i was looking for the stupa mm. and some some trace of buddhist relics over there yes yes i read that you have read that na so yes, yes. there was no trace no trace and on the site where they said that the big stupa because the museum 
they took away that stupa uh, destroyed stupa and they restored it and now it is the center of attraction in the lahore museum that important stupa okay. with jataka stories has been preserved in the lahore museum restored and preserved so i okay. i just went there to see the site and the first fasting buddha first image of fasting buddha uh, is there uh, is also from sikri so i wanted to see the village but there was no trace of um, any kind of buddhist um, uh, relics over there but hmm. many holy places like uh, holy uh, uh, saints they made their abode on these sites and today there is a big yes. mosque near the site and it is still see hmm. the the holiness of this place they have continued the holiness hmm. of the place still continues because even the yes. the saints who came from the sufi saints they did not make their khanaka anywhere they they were also looking for holy sites yes and uh, these dilapidated sites the buddhist ruins even in their mind it was uh, that these sites are the most holy and we will uh, build the khanaka, uh, the khanaka near this site so mm-hmm. in one way if you see it the holiness of the site site still continues yes similarly in asari belol village hmm it was a vast site which our scientists had also gone uh, devila mitra was uh, dr devila mitra was one of the renowned uh, archaeologists of india hmm. she had gone there to explore the site hmm but today the site has been totally encroached upon uh, by by uh, by village sari belol hmm. and uh, hmm. so so that i was not able to enter that village because the villagers thought that maybe i was from the demolition squad because there was oh a guy me a driver was there with me so two huh. three persons when we got out of our vehicle uh, huh. so they thought that some demolition squad has come to demolish <laughs> huh? and see so they all collected and the guy told me please run from here they are going to pelt stones now oh my god so, so we okay. ran away from there we said we will not explore this site <laughs> this is uh, this thing happens in india also yeah right? the, the situation is very i am telling you the situation is very very similar to india where the sites are being encroached the mm. the um, the idols of buddha being you see in kerala so many idols of buddha were found in water tanks uh, they had been buried in the fields because they were thrown away by yes. by by the hindu temples they wanted to use mm-hmm. up those buddha shrines and today yeah. today th- there are many people who are in kerala who are going around in bicycles mm. they are going around in bicycles and trying to retrieve the buddha images okay, uh, okay. and uh, when i was taking a round of kerala one professor ajay shekhar was with me he mm. is one of those who who is researching on these um, buddha images mm. yes so, so this is happening happening in india also Yes, yes, of course. But Kerala's Buddhist history uh, uh, has been written uh, about. I mean, it's widely like, or maybe because I, my family is originally from Kerala, so I know about this. You know about the Garba Grihas, which were converted to, uh, you know, yes, yes, Hindu temples. And the, this also the, happened in uh, Tamil Nadu. This also yes. happened in the villages of Tamil Nadu. It is yes. still happening in uh, at the sites of uh, Gujarat. Hmm. Okay. And in Bengal, will I tell you? In Bengal, there is one site, very important site. I'm forgetting the name. In Medinipur, West Medinipur. Okay. Okay. Which was recently discovered, say about four or five years ago. The okay. the club of that sports club of that village 
has been built over the site. Oh my God! It has been over the site. I have pointed this out in my book uh, on Indian heritage. It is. It was still there. It was still there three years ago when I visited that club. Oh. So, so uh, this is still happening. This is still happening. Hmm. Hmm. It's quite tragic. Yeah, it's tragic. And um, um uh, the the heritage body, the ASI, uh, must look into this. They must look into this. And uh, at least in India, mm-hmm. we must uh, clear the Buddhist sites from all from these encroachments. And the destruction is happening in many other ways. Not that the sites are being encroached, but you see the government mm-hmm. in Kushinagar, where I belong, uh, the government yeah. has allowed uh, allowed uh, these con- uh, the construction companies and builders to build hotels. Big hotels oh. have come up near the Mahapadnirvan site. The big ho- oh, Lotus my. Hotel, Japan Hotel, all these hotels are coming up near the sites. Hmm. But that must also be because a lot of uh, people from Japan and China must be wanting to visit Kushinagar, right? Because of yeah, the Buddha. Yeah, that is right. But yeah. uh, but there's uh, uh, a, lot of crowding, a lot of cr- uh, crowding and uh, construction act- activity also means yeah. that uh, the ruins, because the ruins were not only in the proper Kushinagar, but they were spreading yes. out in the villages. Yes, yes. Even in Kushinagar, there's a village called Anirudhwa, uh, ah. You will see it's you will see huts built on small moons, oh. brick moons. Yeah, I have seen with my eyes. So uh, this is happening everywhere that the sites are being encroached. But uh, as a lover of heritage, I will say that uh, that uh, so much active building activity should not take place. Yes, that's true. Okay, what I also found interesting about your book was some of the, like Hyun Sang, uh, you know, from from his writing, some of the gossip of the ancient world. See, when Huin Sang was in Turfan, he had taken huh. permission because he was coming all the way to India. So yes. that time, I think that that the rule was that when when a visitor reached that place, he had to present himself to the okay. governor or the ruler and um, with an identity. So he okay. got this identity from the Turk ruler in Turfan, the huh. Turk, Turk uh, Yabgu, the Khagan of the Turk. And huh. uh, when he reached there, when he reached Kunduz. Uh, uh, that uh, I, I'm also forgetting the story, but a very interesting episode happened. That king had been poisoned. The yes, yes. had been poisoned, and his stepson, because he married his wife's sister, she was yeah. very young, and yeah. his his son was also of age. So they both <laughs> plotted to kill him. They both plotted to poison him. <laughs> it's like true crime historic. Yeah. And, uh, I think Wen Sang was uh, not uh, making up this story. This fact must have happened. Yes, yes. Because uh, even when you're relating this, uh, what you read in Yun Sang's um, uh, writing, somehow the disgust of it comes through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. He has really written well. Okay. The whole picture is before your eyes. Yes. Talk about the connection between Buddhism and the Silk Route, you know. Um, see, when uh, my aim uh, of traveling on this route was also uh, that uh, I wanted to find out the connected connectivity of these sites on mm. this uh, Grand Trunk Road, okay, which was an earlier uh, very ancient route called the Uttarapath, the Northern High yeah. Road. And this yes. northern high road, if you see, is connecting the Bay of Bengal 
from Bengal to bulk. This road yes. was connecting this whole area, the Gangetic Plain and the across the Indus, the Kabul Kabul River Valley, hmm. through through Kabul uh, up to bulk. It was connecting. So this great corridor, I hmm. called it the Buddhist corridor, which was running from Bengal hmm. to bulk. Yes, it covered now. It covers the, the modern territories of Bangladesh, India, hmm. Pakistan, Afghanistan. Hmm. So, mm-hmm. but this was also the trade route. Yes, traders were traveling this two thousand kilometers, maybe three thousand up to the the valley of the Oxus River. They were traveling yes. three thousand kilometers uh, to uh, to trade in horses, to trade in the goods that were made in India, to import the goods that were coming from uh, Central Asia, even from China. China had several routes. See, uh, one route was through Tibet. The other route fr- through Central Asia. Then the Karakoram Highway was there. Uh, China had so many routes into India, but this route was also very, very important. This Uttarapad, the Northern High Road, which was taking a person, a pilgrim from Bay of Bengal right into bulk. So, and uh, trade was because the traders were supporting the monasteries. It was a symbiotic kind of relationship. Between trade and religion, and the monks they could not uh, travel in isolation. They were also traveling in the caravans. They were also traveling with images of Buddha, and uh, where the uh, where the caravan stopped, the monks also stopped at the trade hub. The small trade hubs in then the villages uh, were built. They came around uh, around the hubs, and. And big monasteries, the small small places became big monasteries, and the traders were supporting because the monasteries were supporting the traders. The, the traders were living in those monasteries; they were donating to those monasteries, and the monasteries were giving them shelter. They were like rest houses also for the traders. So, uh, so there was a symbiotic kind of relationship. And all along this road, and see, even this, uh, the emperor Mauryan Emperor Ashoka in the third century BC, if you see the route, he was building his pillar, pillars, pillar inscriptions, rock inscriptions, all along this route. Yes, hmm. all along this route into Afghanistan. Okay. In fact, you will find his inscription well, even in Kandahar, because a route, southern route, uh-huh. went through Kandahar into. Uh, into Ghazni and Kandahar, into Herat, and right into Persia, and right up to the Mediterranean. Okay. So uh, mm. that is why we find the inscriptions of Ashoka even in Kandahar. Okay. Yeah, Jalalabad. Mm. So um, this was the route of trade. Okay. And obviously, it must have been a very crowded route because. Uh-huh. Um, Uh, the inscriptions are not meant for one or two persons. They were not yes. put up in remote areas. Ah. They were put up on the highways where there were many people living in uh, that hub. Manjula, one thing which you must highlight is that there is a place called Mesainak in Afghanistan. Okay. Mesainak, which has direct uh, link with India, the whole ah. site which runs, which covers one thousand hectares, hmm. it has been taken over by the Chinese mining company MCC. Hmm. Oh they are God. going to they are going to carry out open cast mining for copper uh, in that uh, Mesanak area, and the whole Buddhist city uh, will be destroyed. 
that's terrible so, uh, it's terrible and the whole uh, the whole uh, uh, this body the heritage lovers heritage body they are um, uh, they are protesting against this but so far neither the lease has been cancelled of this um, chinese mining company something should be done the attention of the government should be drawn towards this misanak should be saved it is a very big buddhist city several buddhist cities are under the ruins so i think okay. you must highlight this okay okay so uh, hopefully you know when people hear the podcast they'll they might do something you know that's all that we can hope for thank you so much thank you go out and get uh, uh, buddha and gandhara even if you whether you're you know interested in history interested in buddha interested in the uh, religions of the subcontinent and uh, you know interested in the subcontinent itself and all our you know the philosophies and the uh, intellectual history of this place this is a very good book to read um, it's not an easy read but it's definitely rewarding so thank you so much sunita dwivedi for coming on the show thank you manjula for calling me bye bye this was a hindustan times production brought to you by hd smartcast Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Bosa, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.